The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Sarita, the Edge Edgerton, and to my left is Cherry, the Annihilator, Lewis. <laughs> Hello. That was nice. That was hype. Hey. <laughs> it was no like, music. It was like subtle hype. Yeah. But it was hype. I like hype. that. Yes. Subtle hype is okay. It's not, and, yeah. by, and that sultry voice you heard behind the glass is Andy Rockman Bishop. Flavor, flame. <laughs> I don't know why. And that it ended. I have no idea why it occurred to me to do that. I just did. And across from me is straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. And right next to him, to my right, is the OG, Rick, the Podfather Welch. How y'all doing? 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. He's easily replaced. There I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> oh, suck on that, Mr. Sorry, Carter. Rick. Wow. So anyway, we are going to do the second part to um, one we have done in the past on suffering. I know because everybody just wants to talk about suffering. Uh, it's just a pleasant topic all the yeah. way around, right? But first, let me have a joke. <laughs> I thought you said stuffing. So stuffing, stuffering. <laughs> I thought you wanted to talk about stuffing. So I can I, talk about stuffing. It's, it's going to be Thanksgiving. You make in the like best stuffing in the world. Well, what's the oh, by the way, what I are we going to call it? I am Job. <laughs> yeah, I. I am love Job. Her Hear me, stuffing. not roar. She makes stuffing muffins, and they're to die uh, for. I love. I love. I love bad stuffing, actually. So good stuffing, so much the better. And My by the time this is released, highly... I've probably had some. I bet. I hope. Mm, I hope so. I hope so. A whole pan. A whole remember? pan to himself. <laughs> Cherry, you said you had another joke. I do. So what is yours, but is used more by everyone else? Name your name. Your y'all are too smart. Wow, yes. I caught, I've never heard it, but I thought of it. I'm not that smart. What? <laughs> I never get that's those. a great riddle. Never. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. What gets wetter as it dries? A stamp. I don't know. A towel. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say a paper towel. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. One, yeah, yeah also. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So I have two questions to start out with. The first one is. You're going to like the second one, by the way. Okay. Okay. The first one is, why is there suffering in the world? That's a hard question. Mm-hmm. Why is there suffering in the world, Cherry? Why do you think? I think there's suffering in the world because of the origination of sin from the very beginning. Okay. Andy, why is there suffering in the world? I think it's a, to me, it's a problematic question. Like, like why is there sunlight? Well, if it just is. There wasn't, then it wouldn't be. It would be different. Oh God, I'm so terrible. That did not make any sense. That is the way things are, which is also not helpful. Let me see if I could turn this into a statement that makes any damn sense. <laughs> um, 
Good thing he's the editor. He can cut that out. <laughs> right. Yeah, because I just want you to know I'm suffering listening to this. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what I was getting at. See, yeah, so I was doing the, the this like whole. This is the like, first time I've ever seen thing. you. Uh, this is the first time I've ever heard you stumble. No, I I stutter constantly. The not, audience doesn't know that very not much. Stutter, but stumble. <laughs> okay, this, it's just the way things are. It's just it's not a reason for it. You're just like why. Why is there anything? Why is there happiness? I don't know. Because, okay, so that's easier to answer. Uh, Happiness, like droll, bummer alert. Happiness is kind of chemical rewards for things that kind of help you get through life and or propagate the species. Suffering is kind of the other side of that. It's not that you're being punished for mistakes, but it is the consequences of not always mistakes. That's a bad way to put it. It is the consequences of problematic things in your life, be they choices or be they like just genetic brain chemistry things or just circumstances. It's the consequences of those things, some of which you might have control over, some of which you do not. It's so it's not like it's not like sufferings a created as an idea. It's it's created as an instance. Gotcha. Okay. Ralph? Well, I don't know that I would put a definition on it. I, I can say how I use it. I, I, I think part of what Andy said is it's a, it, it, you know, the consequences of something that you've done that you either shouldn't have done or did wrongly. Uh, but the other thing is, the other thing I used it for, and this is, I used it for teaching, uh, especially with children, my children, is that um, uh, you, suffering I use uh, as an example when things go bad and then when things go good. You can appreciate the good much better. It's a foil. When you've gone through the exactly when you've gone through it. So uh, exactly why philosophically, I I don't know the answer to that, but that's how I use it. Rick, I think it's the natural thing that occurs when you are apart from God. That. The idea. I mean, we learn about the idea of suffering because when, you know, like Cherry mentioned about sin. So the idea is that prior to sin, there was a time when humanity was in this relationship with God where they did not suffer, where they this cohabitated with God, they walked with God, they had food, they had everything that they needed, didn't have clothing, <laughs> didn't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but suffering to me is just the definition of being apart from God in that place, which is also why I think that Christ had to. That's difficult, man, because like uh, the last person we had on a Zoom call, their husband had a a medical problem that yep. certainly caused her and her husband a great amount of suffering. Yes. Is that because he was removed from God? Can I answer this? Please. Yeah. So for me, from my understanding, um, before sin, you had perfection. And then, of course, when sin was brought in, you have imperfection, and imperfection is— So you're saying he's speaking broadly, yes, not like, specifically. Like, it's not specific. Yeah. Just okay. like you well, said, that, okay, it, it, no, it that, is— that, that, that helps the issue that I was raising, absolutely. Yeah, like, some is, yeah. is external circumstances that we have absolutely no control over, genetics— you know, things that but, it's not necessarily. Well, you're saying Rick was talking about not a person's separation from God, but man's separation yes, from God yes. or yeah. Christ. Okay. As All a right. whole. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. As a whole. Like I think that suffering suffering was not a part of the initial created order, according to the scripture. It's, it says it wasn't. Um 
but it was after that disobedience. And I got to be honest with you, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like hearing that. Oh, because we we ate you know a piece of fruit, then now I have to watch babies burn to death. You know, like okay, like really, that bothers me. Yeah, right? it seems like a pretty harsh punishment. It does, mm-hmm. but yeah. but it's really not. It goes to the core of disobedience. It does, but it, it shows that what separation from God is. It has been the worst experiment ever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it we we know this now, but God put himself in it to experience it. The very thing that he didn't want for us, he experienced it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like so it's that separation. So rather than continuing the separation, he came to us. It makes incredible sense to me. Like if you're going to have a god that he would at least come to you and experience who you are and what you what it's for. So I, I just see suffering as being apart from God, separated from God as a whole. Actually, that will go to a point that I'm going to come to later. So thank you for saying that. So the second question then is then, how then shall we live? Hmm. All right. There's suffering. Always has been after the expulsion from the garden. There wasn't suffering in the garden, and the suffering came after. Mm -hmm. So how should we live? Well, I was asking my sons and my husband this question today, and I said, so what characters of the Bible? And I said, I'm going to stop using that word. They're not characters. They were real people. Mm -hmm. So what are examples of people? I said something similar the other day. I just did. I was like, I always say, I love this story. And it's like, it's actually not a story, even though it's a story, but... Historical event. Yes. <laughs> I thought I thought put it that. So <laughs> other than Jesus, let's look at the champion of suffering. And his name was Job. Job, not Job. Job. Okay. So the job causes severe suffering. <laughs> Job <laughs> yeah. suffered, I would think, as other much than as our Lord in history. Other than our Lord Jesus Christ, more than any human that has been recorded in the Bible, mm-hmm. I would say. Just the level, nothing was left untouched. The things that he lived through. Yes. Nothing was left untouched, except he did not experience himself him, himself dying. So he was the epitome. He lost everything. He is the example of why bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. The Lord Called him righteous. As a matter of fact, does anybody have their Bible open or would it, would it be willing to open to Job sure. 1 8? All right. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. He is an example of why bad things happen to good people. He is called righteous or Whatever the word your Bible, your particular version used, blameless. blameless, blameless and upright, and upright by God Himself mm-hmm. to Satan. So he's a good person. Bad things happen. So what were the examples of things happen? All his kids died at once. They were having dinner. They all died, and I'm assuming any spouses died as well. So he lost kids and in laws. Mm-hmm. Then he lost his whole business. Mm-hmm. And I had a pastor one time preach that. He was the FedEx of the desert. Like he had all these camels. That was his job was to get freight back and forth. He was a trucking company for all intents and purposes. Hmm. He had a lot of money. So it wasn't a small amount. Like (laughs) 
come take my bank account. You're not gonna, it's not going to be a whole lot to write home about, right? Um, but this guy had quite a bit. Then he got the boils on his body. Then his friends started running their mouths. Then his wife started whining. Nag, nag, nag. Just kill yourself. Wouldn't it be better if you were just dead? I mean, his house. He lost everything. Just everything. Gone. And how did he suffer? What did he do? Do y'all know the story? Yeah. Sat in the ashes. He took a broken pot shirt and he scraped the blisters mm-hmm. off on his body. And he dressed in sackcloth and ashes. And he moaned and wailed for his, in grief. But even then, he did not curse God. Correct. So... Is the sorry? Is the sackcloth and ashes? Was that like a traditional? Yes, it's a symbol of kind mourning. Of thing? Okay, sign of mourning. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear sometimes in the New Testament. Did he shave his head? I want to say he did. Mostly, it's like they shave their head and they put on sackcloth and then cover themselves with ash. So sometimes you'll see like the Pharisees will rip their clothes and they'll talk about sackcloth and ashes. This is a mourning thing. They're mourning. So yeah. Okay, so. Then he had his friends come, and his friends start telling him, you know, you must have committed this grievous sin. You must have done something that you haven't repented for. So all these things are happening. If you'll just repent for whatever that sin is, then this will all get better. Well, number one, you lost all your children. Ten, right? Yeah, what kind of sin did you do that that got that? But there's no getting better. Right. There's no getting better from that. It can ease up. But he's not going to not be sad for the rest of his entire life, however long that is. So, yeah, seven sons and three daughters. So, 10 children plus any spouses. 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. When I tell you, he, he was wealthy. He was the greatest of all the men of the East. He hmm. was the Jeff Bezos of. I don't know yep. that greatest, but when they say greatest there, they mean yep. with stuff. He had stuff. That's right. But it all got taken away. Okay. And he did what you've already said. But he, you know, also he questioned God. Mm-hmm. He you questioned know, it, him. It made me think of Keanu Reeves for a minute, which is a hilarious left turn on thought, but still a man that has lost a lot and gained a lot mm-hmm. That's at the for same true. time. And he's just like, He's so humble. One of the he's, kindest he's men. He's so nice, but he's just like constantly kind of sad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was just thinking about the whole, you lose children, which he didn't, but uh, that that sort of thing that sticks with you forever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. how I don't know that renewed wealth overcomes that in real life. Or even yeah. more children. Right, and or I, even more children. For the longest time, I thought that that's what it meant, you know, because we hear about later that he gets it all back, but it never left him. There's no way. Not if you love them. You, you're. He's always going to have that sense of loss and never forget that time in his life. Well, yeah, even when he got it all back and got seven more sons and three more daughters and everything that he had was doubled— there still had to have been a part in him that was suffered forever. Forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. he has ten kids. He had to like one of them. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but he, <laughs> but he um, questioned God. Why yeah. God? Mm-hmm. What have I done? What can I do? And I, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson said that, 
you know, God's big enough, and I'm paraphrasing Thomas Jefferson, but I believe God's big enough to take our questions. I think mm-hmm. he can take our questions. If we're coming from a place of— Your friend said that, too. Yep, my friend, whose testimony you'll hear at some point. You know, how—if we can question God, but not do it in a sinful way, because I don't believe he's ever called anything other than blameless or upright. Mm-hmm. And then God answers him, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Can you go down to the depths of the ocean? Nope, you mm-hmm. can't do it. You were not there. And Job goes, you're right, God. I am sorry. So that's Job. So give me somebody else in the Bible who suffered. Another, not character, another human. Joseph. Joseph. Okay. He suffered. His brothers hated him. He was a little bit of a... His brothers didn't really hate him. He was a daddy's boy. He was a little bit of pompous... He was a daddy's boy. Daddy's boy. Yeah, he was the favorite. Who bragged? Benji was the favorite. Eventually, but if Joseph had stayed around, Benji might not have been the favorite. Mm-hmm. I think the loss of Joseph made Benjamin. That's correct. He clung to Benjamin more because of it. Mm-hmm. His brothers, you said, didn't hate him. I think they did. They wanted two of no, them. No, he wanted did. To have he said they killed. hated him. Yeah. He said they hated him. Well, oh. I, uh, he said they did. You know, when you, I don't think that they actually hated him. They, they, the, they I think sold they hated him away. Him. I think they hated him in a way that that. That a brother, like a stepbrother, when somebody's being cheated, but hate is such a you know they sold so, him into slavery. They wanted to kill him. him. I, I, it's, yeah, I, I get That's all that. That's pretty but hateful. You got to remember, they really didn't Ralph, want him around. <laughs> Ralph has this particular sort of undying and beautiful optimism Kindness, about people yes. that that you just got to you just got to give it to I think in them. the heat of the moment <laughs> they were angry and they did it i think they regretted it once they did it um and i think if you regret it you don't hate i i believe that is a realistic view of that's people that's a good point that's a good point you make yeah. a really good point there ralph so then he got sold into slavery they decided not to kill him they just had to sell him into slavery i hate it when you're right <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen that and often I mean so it, don't worry and, about and by it. hate i mean love <laughs> You'll regret it later. (laughs) (laughs) He was accused of rape. Then he falsely accused of rape. And he was falsely imprisoned. Um, Then he was brought to Pharaoh to interpret some dreams. And he did that. And he was made second in command. So um, he did suffer. He had some good times in there as well. I think that you can't appreciate the good times. I think this is where Andy was going earlier. You can't appreciate the good times if you haven't suffered. I, that was Ralph. Oh, I'm sorry, Ralph. Yes. So Joseph suffered. He was set up. He was lied about. He was sold into slavery. How did he handle it? By being a man of integrity. He never lost that integrity. He was in an ancient prison, which... It's hard for my mind to understand because our prisons are so not ancient prisons <laughs> in comparison. I mean, I've seen pictures of holes in the ground mm-hmm. that were considered prisons where Paul and and Silas were were tied up. It was in a hole in the ground. And a lot of the prisons in those times, if if somebody didn't bring you to eat, you didn't eat. You didn't eat. That's correct. So, um, and it says several times that he was forgotten. Hmm. He was just forgotten. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy who told me my dream. What was that guy's name? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he was forgotten, and but he kept his integrity. He always told the truth. 
and he became second in command. Mm-hmm. So we can learn, we can question God with integrity. We can always tell the truth. We can be in mourning for our circumstances. We may get double the reward back that we had taken from us, but maybe we won't. Mm-hmm. The Bible is clear. So who else is someone? Well, I did want to say, and one of the one of my favorite verses in the Bible is when he says to his brothers, "What are you going to say?" What you meant for evil, God, God meant for, for good. good. Yeah. yeah, and I love how so that I could save the world from save, how he has to save. hide the fact that he's crying yes. when he sees his family. I love that story. It's precious. You've got to watch the VeggieTales version. Okay. Little Joe is the best. Little VeggieTales, Joe? Yes. So, who else? Well, many of the apostles. I mean, pick almost pick any of them. Peter, Paul. I mean, Mary. <laughs> she did suffer. Don't you yeah, think she yeah. suffered? Uh, it, was just, it was a joke. I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's what my son said. Peter and Paul and John, the Baptist, John, the beloved. Mm-hmm. And he was... Boiled alive, I guess. That's the that's tradition. About, what about Ruth? I mean, they're... That's one that you would not necessarily... Wouldn't necessarily come to the top of your list of sufferers, but she lost her husband. She moved to a new country. She was lonely. Yeah. Right now, I think our country suffers from loneliness. We're the most connected we have ever been. And the least connected we've ever been. That is so true. This anxiety and this stuff that's going on from the kids. We see what everybody's doing, but we have no connection. Not in front Mm -hmm. of people, building, learning how to interact, um, and anxious over the simplest things that should have been worked out in kindergarten. That people talk about is just overwhelming. They say there's a, I don't know what it means exactly, but there's, there's, yeah, a loneliness epidemic. I heard that today, that very term. Hmm. Um, how about Hannah? Oh, yeah. She couldn't have children. And and that's that, an agonizing thing. Oh, yeah. In that society back then, that was... Well, even now. Well, yeah, even now. But I mean, especially you know, for a woman back then, that was kind of what you do, right? You, mm-hmm. you bear children and, and you grow a family. And, and then when she had one, she had to give him away. She promised God and then she raised him up until it was time to be weaned and then gave him to the temple for God's service. And of course, he's the one that anointed King David, but Hannah had to suffer for that anointed king. Yes. You know? Yes. That's a good one. I hadn't put that on my list, but that's a Mm. good one. I had put Ruth. You got one, Jerry? Stephen. His suffering was, was, on the whole, was was temporary. It was almost, yeah, like, I don't know so much about suffering up to the point, but he suffered. But what was his reward? He got to see Jesus standing. He got to standing. see Jesus standing, like at the right hand of the Father. Wow! Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth all my bones being broken by having stones thrown at me, but well, look at everything Moses had to go through. Moses yep. is another one, and 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 then didn't even get the fruits of the labor. Nope, nope. He was on the mountain when it all went down. He comes down and he has to pay, he has to pay for it just like the rest of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. bunch of whiny babies walking around the desert. Yeah, I Make probably would have been cows. like them. I whine a lot, and my life's great. <laughs> <laughs> I put David. David caused a lot of his own suffering. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'd have to say David did it to himself. Yes. Yeah, and and in some ways, so did Solomon. Now, okay, some things David did caused suff- caused his own suffering, but some things other people Saul 
caused him a lot of suffering. It wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. That the initial thing King Saul, after he got jealous of his success with Goliath, that wasn't David's fault. And then he was jealous of Jonathan, his son's friendship with David. He chased him around. I mean, he had to run. So that part wasn't his fault. But the whole Bathsheba killing his best friend, the, all that. And then his son died because of that. His firstborn son to Bathsheba died because of that sin. There's That's uh, agonizing. There's nothing more heart-wrenching in the life of David than the death of Absalom. I can't oh, yeah. imagine more heart-wrenching thing in anyone's life than losing a kid. Because I promise you, my wife would never get out of bed again. Yeah. I mean, for him, the death of Absalom, who's a grown man, and Absalom felt that the way that, you know, what he was doing was right, like, you know, in in regard to, is it Tamar? So the situation, what Absalom did and, and, you know, and how he rose up against his own father, David never wanted anything to come to hurt him. He didn't want that. And then to hear when Absalom dies, the grief that David went through, I can only, uh, you know, I have a son and I can't imagine feeling that. That had to have been something that he took to his grave. Well, I think it's in Second Samuel when the baby dies, mm-hmm. the two, I think he's two. He's not a baby, but, and it talks about, you know, David's grief and, and it says, don't worry, you know, he'll never come back to you, but you can go to him. Mm-hmm. And and to me, as a parent whose whose child is is no longer with her on this earth, that I get to see my child again. Mm-hmm. Um, but then then he had this older son who Absalom who who did this and and the grief of what he did, mm-hmm. and then the end that. He came to for David. It was must have been just he heart wrenching. Absalom wanted his father to feel pain. He wanted him to feel it. He wanted him to know what it was like to be him, and he did everything in his power to do so. And David knew it, but David didn't want that life for him. And Absalom was going to get the throne. He he was incensed by the fact that he wouldn't, and. David knew what God wanted, and sometimes doing what God wants means that you're going to suffer. That's correct. So we've had all kinds of different sufferings. We've had doing what God wants, as it can cause suffering, going it on our own way. Not doing what God wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going our own way <laughs> causes <been> suffering. <laughs> Satan can cause suffering, which God allows. Um, our own choices, um, sin. That came into the world through Adam and Eve. I mean, you think of the bleeding woman who crawled across the ground just to touch the hem of his garment, Jesus' garment. Um, That was probably from a sinful, our bodies are weak vessels that are prone to disease and injury and and sickness and and syndromes and all kinds of things, some things we never even find out about. But And I I can honestly say I've never been— to that level of suffering, of like, desperation. like that woman to where she had spent all that she had. She she tried everything she could think of, and then for her, she knew what she was doing was wrong. First touching and a man that she shouldn't be touching. She's unclean, and she's touching the hem of a rabbi. 
Um, she knew what she was that, doing. But to have what did that she kind have to lose? Faith. Huh? What did she have to lose? Nothing. She lost everything. She yeah. was going to die probably. But and this. that's what I'm saying. I've never been there, which makes me all the more compassionate. I mean, to to see the compassion that how the virtue left him without him knowing it tells you about how merciful God is. It just flows out whether he wants it whether to or not. Whether he wants it to or yeah. not. <laughs> I, I, I've had a couple, a couple of snippets of it in my life, one that lasted maybe a couple of days and one that lasted a couple of months, but I don't know that I really have suffered much. Jeff had a pretty easy... I mean, everybody has hard times, right? Nobody gets out free. Right. Uh, but no, I've not. 121 days of bed rest. And they gave me a 50-50 shot of bleeding out. And mm. I was pretty desperate. Mm. Every day. Pray in Psalm 91. Every day. Mm. Every day. Every day. Wow. Yeah. So I, I felt the desperation. Uh, I was alone. A lot of loneliness. It's it's a – and had Jesus been walking down the corridor of the hospital, I would have probably been on my pregnant belly trying to follow him down, Grab it. heal me, heal yep. me, God. I know you can if I just touch you. I mean, mm-hmm. I was desperate for my son to live. I wanted to see him grow up um, and live. I mean, I wanted to live. I mm. knew I was going to be with Jesus, but I still wanted to, I want to see my kids grow up and yeah. see some grandkids maybe one day. And I don't know, I just wasn't ready to go yet. So mm-hmm. I cried out in desperation. And we spent a lot of money, so it costs a lot of money to be on bed rest in the hospital. And that is a form of suffering. Yeah. You know, yeah. All right, so let's, before we go to Jesus, who is the ultimate sufferer. Well, yeah, I haven't said anything because yeah, I didn't want to steal anybody's to thunder. Before we go to Jesus, let's look at some bad examples of sufferers. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with King Nebi. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar. He, God used him. Mm-hmm in different ways throughout his life and when he ruled. But he also made him into a donkey. He lived in the wilderness like a a wild animal. Mm -hmm. I wonder, and I don't know, were his his thoughts there? Like, did he know? No, he was mad. He was Mm -hmm. mad. It says he was insane. Did he remember after? That's a a good question. Yes, he does. He actually, because he becomes a believer. Well, okay. But he... But and he God, talks about it. But God wanted him to do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And why did he become a donkey? Basically by saying that he was like God. So he had to suffer for that. Mm-hmm. He was boastful. Um, Which was not uncommon for leaders of large countries that were destroying other nations. I mean, uh, Egyptian had, you know, their pharaoh was the son of Ra. I mean, he the, was a god on the earth. Caesars, they said. Yeah, that's were, real common. I mean, mm-hmm. the Caesars were God, and that's what they said. But in this case, Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed God's temple and taken off all of the people and brought them into captivity. And so now this man is saying, I'm like God. And he's like, let me show you who God is. And he does. Made and him then, like a donkey. <laughs> and then the other example that I'm going to give of a, not a great example of a sufferer would be Judas. Mm. I think he truly suffered after, I I know the Bible says he truly suffered after what he did. Mm -hmm. And to the point that he tried to give the money back, to the point he tried to 
he never went to he never went to try to see Jesus mm-hmm. and ask for forgiveness. I guess maybe he could have. I don't know. I wasn't there. Not at that point. He couldn't have got to him. But on the cross, he could have. Oh well. But he died before that. Yeah. He, he died kind of weird Jesus to run did. up to a guy that's nailed to a wooden beam and ask him. I am sorry. <laughs> it's a little too late for that, pal. Well, how powerful that would have how, been. But how the mercy... What, what but would, I'm just saying, they wouldn't have known. Like, the disciples were running away. They had no right. clue. There's no way he would have. And even if he did, I mean, that's just kind of a... That's an odd That's scene. interesting that you say that, because there's a show called 30 Coins, and in the uh, the running up to the show, when they show previews and different things, there is a picture of Judas at the cross. Hmm. Hmm. So as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, I've seen Judas at the Cross. I mean, only on a, on a TV show, and I've not watched the show, but I, I happened to see a, a thing for it. I'm like, oh, that's interesting that somebody would put G- Judas at the at the at the foot of Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of like the what was that movie, the 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 Last Temptation of Christ. I mean, think about what that was. That was. Yeah, I've based, never seen that. I need it's based to on the Gospel either. of Judas and Martin Scorsese. Jesus film. didn't die. He got married and had kids. Well, it wasn't just that. Actually, what happens is, is that Judas is it's it's based on the Gospel of Judas, where Judas know like he is the special disciple that's gonna turn in the Christ. He and Jesus have a discussion like this has to happen. So he becomes the one to betray him because it was the right thing to do in order for everyone to be saved, right? So then later, when Jesus is on the cross, the last temptation of him is to come down off him and actually have a normal life. Hmm. And so he does. You know. Huh. It's pretty right. wild. It's so pretty wild story. Since you brought up Jesus, let's talk about Jesus. Okay. How did he suffer? He was called the man of sorrows. I mean, that was one of his titles. Yeah. You know? Filled with grief. Mm-hmm. Well, can you Every imagine? Every time he saw Jerusalem, he cried. From the moment he was born, kings were trying to kill him. His family was living in exile. He had to live in poverty. You know. He was a. Um, he was destined to die a brutal death. It was a destiny that he knew of. You know, can you imagine? I, I've tried to imagine this before. You're Jesus, and you're here to save your people, who you consider everyone on Earth that's ever been over will be on Earth. Your children, and you know that many of them are going to deny you, and so they're going to be not with you forever. And can you imagine the sorrow of knowing that so many of your children will no longer be with you because they'll choose not to be? Well, let's look at some scripture on that. The first scripture is going to be Colossians 1, chapter 1, verse 21. And you, who once were alienated... And enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So suffering is being alienated and not being reconciled. Mm. Romans 8, 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Mm. Ephesians 2.12. Galatians, Ephesians. If you ever want to remember it, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Don't tempt me with a good time. 
that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Hmm. It's just, so to the Bible, the ultimate suffering is to be separated from God, and you said that at the very beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. like you had read my notes. But um, Well, that's I, what I think hell is. Hell to me would be separation. separated from God for eternity. Yeah. So how do we suffer then? How do we, if the Bible says we're to be like Christ and Christ suffered, can, he endured. Before you go on to that, can yeah. I read about the suffering? Sure. So Isaiah 53. Oh, the non-read one in mm-hmm. most that they don't read tabernacles, in, yeah. synagogues. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. I mean, imagine that, growing up like a root out of dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we would look at him, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we had no regard for him. However, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God, and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. I'm going to cry, sorry. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And Hmm. when, what moment... Was Christ's greatest suffering? Was it was the cat of nine tails as it ripped the flesh off of his I think ribs? It was when he was in the like that the moment when he said, "Why have you forsaken me?" That was on the cross. When when he Eloi Eloi something Lama Sabachthani. Yeah. Why have you forsaken me? My God, that, my God, why have you forsaken he's been, me? Because he's been he he says in the garden the night before, "God, glorify your Son, as I will glorify you. That I am one in you, and you are in me." But then there's this moment in the following day where that oneness is broken. It's the for the first time. And it had to be. Had to be. God had to turn his face away when the, the full brunt of our sin laid upon his shoulders. So that takes me to how do we suffer? How do we so suffer? there are two purposes to suffering, I think. To refine what are we supposed to learn from it? Mm-hmm. And to bring glory to God. You that which you meant for evil, God meant for God can use for good. So what did, and I'm using Job in, in particular, what did he do that he, that, that communicated? And then when I went back and looked at all the other people that I wrote on my list, they all did the same things. Number one, he brought attention to God's sovereignty. And this is in Job 42, verses 1 through 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So there he was giving way to God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to encourage the listener right now is if you're suffering, if you feel like there's no hope, 
the world seems crazy and on fire and your life is a big hot mess. God's not up there wringing his hands. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? We might be. (laughs) We might be wringing our hands. But God was there at the foundation of the earth. Mm -hmm. God wrote Isaiah 53 that Rick just read. That's right. Many, many, many years before Christ actually 750 years fulfilled those. Mm-hmm. All right. So the second thing, these were three acts of submission. Submission to God's sovereignty, which Job did. Okay. Uh, submission to God's wisdom. And that goes back to the verse three that I just read. Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. God is omnipotent. He is all-knowing. Omniscient is the right word, right? He is omniscient. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He is all-knowing. Isaiah says somewhere, I can't remember which one it is, maybe Rick will know, but your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Mm -hmm. God's ways are higher than ours. Yeah, I think think that's in Jeremiah. Is that Jeremiah? God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Mm -hmm. I knew it was one of the prophets. Yeah. So... He submits to God's sovereignty. He submits to God's wisdom and knowledge. And most importantly, he submits to God's will. And he says, I question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Now my eye will see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And he submitted to God's will. And so when you look at all of the others that we talked about, and maybe not in so many words, but especially, let's look at Jesus, if we're to be like Jesus, right? I'm not called to be like Joseph. I'm not called to be like Ruth. I'm called to be like Jesus. Did Jesus submit to God's sovereignty? Always. Yeah. Not my will, but yours, be, not, not my, it's God's power. Yeah. You could take this cup from me. I've asked you to. You could do it. Mm-hmm. But he chooses not to. Yeah, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Not my will. He goes to number three, act of submission. Not my will, but yours be done. We can submit ourselves to God's sovereignty, that what's just around the corner is better than where we are. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how far around the corner it takes to get there. Sometimes when we're slogging through something... It can seem like forever. Yeah. But when we get to the other side of it, any of us who can look back on some tough times and go, yeah, I came out a stronger person. I came out, would I wish things had been different? No, I don't. But there are many times when we hear people tell their testimonies on this podcast when they have submitted that God's knowledge and the wisdom that he has is going to lead them somewhere different. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we still won't suffer. Oh, that's for true. But in our suffering, what can we do? We can su- we can submit to God's sovereignty. We can submit to His knowledge and wisdom that what's coming for us is better. Even if we don't see it on this earth, we are storing up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Mm-hmm. Not hay, wood, and whatever. Stubble. Stubble. Mm-hmm. I think of that. Yeah. Am I storing up chin hairs in heaven? I'm not <laughs> sure how that works. Some but, wood, hay, and some stubble. And then God's will. And if Jesus did all three of those things, and we're supposed to be like Jesus, God didn't take the suffering from him. God did not take the cup from him. 
God poured him out like a drink offering, to quote Paul. Mm-hmm. But he still submitted, and he still did exactly what his Father in heaven had told him to do. Does that mean life is going to be easy, piece of cake? No, of course not. But if we can get through the other side, maybe our story will be told someday to give hope to someone else Mm -hmm. and bring glory to God. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Here's one. Here's a thought for you. So whenever Paul is on the road to Damascus to kill and imprison Christians, he is struck down, right, and blinded. And God tells Ananias that he's going to send Saul of Tarsus to him. And, of course, Ananias is shocked by this because he knows how awful this man is. And he says, this man is going to suffer for my namesake. And Paul gives us a list in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And he says, I am speaking as if insane in labor and far more labors, and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent adrift at sea. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. That's what he is telling the Corinthians in his second letter, and he still wasn't done. He still wasn't done. He had so much more to go through. You know, you want to ask the question why, like Job did, but he considered everything that he had ever been put through as worthy. You know, it, is, it, it was necessary. It's an amazing thought. It and really the, is. And none of those guys who loved Jesus and Paul, it's all, you know, I think it's funny that we change his name, but his name never changed. No, it's Not, just Hellenized. It, it's just Greek, yeah made into a Greek name, but they never changed their story. They never stopped believing, even to the point of they were pressed in on every side, pressed down and crushed, and and they never changed their story. They submitted to God's sovereignty. They submitted to God's wisdom, and they submitted to God's will. And was it easy when they were in the middle of it? No, it's not easy for any of us when we're in the middle of it. I know, and that's, that's something that I really would like the church to know, to think about today. Think about that, those disciples and the the ones that were right after the disciples and the ones that went into the Roman Colosseum that were, you know, being brutalized by gladiators and wild beasts and things like that and and refused to fight back. They refused They it. sang songs and hymns. They and... refused to fight back against all of it. And, you know, eventually... You know, and they did. They ended the games after one particular Christian stood there and yelled at the emperor, when will this ever end? You know, and he refused to fight back. And then, of course, they killed him. But then it affected that emperor and they closed the games down. But 
those those men accepted violence and did not return it. It's just an amazing thought. Can I read some? Of course. I dropped the phone because I wanted to find a quote that I read. He threw it angrily. <laughs> yeah, right. Dang it. Instead of Absolutely throwing not. stones, he's throwing so, phones. So not including, <laughs> <laughs> not including the suffering of our bodies, you know, when you get sick or when things happen to you. I read this, and it. Uh, uh, I'm going to add one word. Our own suffering comes from our denial of our divine nature, our lack of appreciation of our connection to all things, our resistance to impermanence, and our addictions and attachments to things that only bring temporary relief. That's Buddhist, baby! Is it? Yeah. I think that's almost every religion. Yeah, well, yeah. It's a common thing. Also probably true. Some are older than others, though. It, it, this particular one was a, was someone explaining Carl Jung's um, um, theory. But you may be right that that person may have been a Buddhist, and that's where their explanation came from. It could have been an amalgamation of a bunch of things, but it sounds it sounds Buddhist to me. But don't— At least after the first two. But don't you think, though, a lot of times in our sufferings, when we meet other people who have suffered with a wayward child or— We've lost a child or we're going through a divorce. That brings connection to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do. I think that when we disengage from the little handheld life stealer that we we all carry around. Don't talk about my friends that way. <laughs> <laughs> Plural, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have an iPad and a phone. Say multiple devices, and we connect with one another. Like we all, a bunch of us, just went on a trip together where we were in the van for a long time, and the best times when we were like sharing music with one another and talking about how it affects us and things going on in the world. And you know, we had two teenagers in the back, and they were, you know, they were involved and engaged for the most part, and that was the best part of the trip if you ask me, is the connections, the connections that we make with one another. When we look someone in the eye, when we, you know, share what we've been suffering with. And I think that brings the most connection. And I wish that we could somehow drop these little boxes that we all, these little computers we carry in our hands and mm-hmm. and just connect again. Yeah. Go but camping. Take the kids for a hike. Have a medieval war. Listen, <laughs> other old. Hey, I'm up. I'm up for that. I have a friend whose daughter went to. It's called a gap year program. Uh, instead of going straight into college, they went into this gap year program. And every Sunday, they get their phone or whatever device for I think like two hours, and then it has to. It goes in a box, and they don't have it the rest of the week. And she went camping in Colorado. And it rained the entire weekend, and she wasn't able to call home and tell her mom because she forgot to pick up her phone out of the box. Hmm. She's like, I am enjoying just being disconnected and being with those people. Oh, and, yeah. and Children just, have no idea what that's like. I teach, Children don't I teach know ninth what that's graders, like. and at camp this summer, one of the girls said, yeah, I just got my phone back. My parents took it for like two months because uh, whatever she did. She was on restriction, and she said, if I'm being honest with you, I wish they'd just take it permanently. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine the social pressure? You need to call her parents. <laughs> I've told every parent I can think of, take your kid's phone from time to time for days at a time. It's not going to kill them. I've said it before, but who would want that sort of social pressure as a teenager? It was hard it was enough when I enough. didn't have it. That's exactly right. It was bad enough. But they're yeah. losing that connection with one another. Oh, yeah, and their friends are like, 
How can you did, how, how how can you left me on unread? Is that what it's well, called? It's just, yeah, you left yeah. me unread. Well, it's yeah. just you're at home when you could just be reading a book, and like your problems from your social life just get to knock at the back of your brain. That's why mm-hmm. everybody's seeing counselors all and the time taking anxiety meds. So yes. I mean, it call. I think these these little phones we have cause us much suffering. We can't even get away from our businesses. I'd be willing to bet that when well, I was I know a kid, all about that one, I didn't I spend mean, more than an hour a month. Let me talk about the phone. guy sitting to my right. Oh yeah, Rick. I mean, he's my right. What? Because I'm looking at my thing. No, I thought just you were in general, about Andy. you oh, get yeah. so many phone calls. You know, when we're out and about mm-hmm. from work. I mean, you do you ever get to just turn it off? Well, I know uh, at night you probably on do. Tuesday when I went to Gary DeMars. Uh, one of my machines caught on fire. <laughs> Shut up. Really? And tonight, while I was sitting here, a second one went down. Oh, my God. Yeah. It happens oh, all the time, bro. Yeah, you can't, but you can't turn it off. You cannot turn I it cannot, off. I cannot, but I do. <laughs> he did when we were at Gary DeMars, and I'll be when he turned it on, it's like, oh, ding, there's ding, just a fire. Ding, yeah, ding, just a fire. Everything so, caught on fire. Yeah. Does anybody want to hear a a very good joke. All right, Absolutely. tell us a yeah. joke. After that heavy episode, let's talk about it. So, a, joke. a man woke from a coma at the hospital after suffering a terrible accident. So, it's oh, he suffering. Was suffering. Suffering, all right. He began yelling, Doctor, please help. I can't feel my legs. The doctor said, That's because we had to amputate both your arms. <laughs> uh, that took a turn. That's really funny. That's uh, a good. I didn't see that coming. To everyone suffering from anxiety, you are not alone. There's probably somebody watching you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I suffer got. from that kind of anxiety. I just want to point out, I was thinking about Ralph. Uh, yeah, I know. I said that that way just to get your attention. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at bootstaps. And I think what it is, and I believe this is incredibly admirable, and most people cannot accomplish this. Ralph absolutely refuses to look at another human being as a one-dimensional creature yep. in that storybook bad way. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't, he can't do it. He cannot look at somebody and be like, that guy's just that one thing. He is the Anne Frank of the Burroughs of Berea. They're the Anne Frank of the Burroughs of Berea. Oh, wow. I don't know what that means, um, but it sounded real good. <laughs> I'm not sure I like how that ends. Well, you know, You're I, such a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> she says in her diary, at the end, I believe that all people are essentially good. Mm. Yeah. And she's being hunted by the Nazis. Yeah. So it's not just good. It's about understanding yeah. that people are not simple. Giving yeah. them the credit of the complexity of their lives. Yeah. We are complex creatures. And I admire that because I don't think you see that. It's easy to do sometimes, but it's hard to do about characters from stories like that. Yeah. That are bad. Especially when for centuries people have said it the other way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly my point. Yep, that's good. It is a good quality, Ralph. Thank you for bringing that in every time. Yeah, thank you. I went to the doctor and- um, Oh, boy. Because I was being- I was, I, was getting, I can't tell if this is going to have a punchline or not. (laughs) Right. And the doctor said that I- (laughs) Doctor said that I had Tom Jones syndrome- and I was like, is it unusual to be loved? I was by like, everyone? is it? It's like, is it rare? And he was like, it's not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's all I got. You're awful, Rick. <laughs> all awful. right, on I'll that be here note. all week. I saw Tom <laughs> Jones. Try the <laughs> Tom Jones is on one of those singer shows, and yeah, the voice. There was a kid that came on the show, and the kid was talking about his dad. He said, he, and he said, is his, your dad's name this? He said, I used to sing with your dad. 
And they get up and sang the song that he and his, that his dad wrote for Tom Jones. This, this guy's dad was oh, that's cool. passed, and they sang the song that Tom Jones made famous. Huh. And Tom Jones has a voice. It's not a man. He can he still Even sing. Still. He's got to be close to eighty. That that man can sing. Listen, I heard I this mean, weekend oof. Robert Plant sang "Stairway to Heaven" for the first time in decades. He should have just kept it in the vault. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go look it up. It is so, y'all. He uh, sounds old. Not gonna run is it. it. <laughs> was it Vince Neil bad? <laughs> no, that Vince Neil one. Yes, it was. <laughs> It was bad. It was like it was pain. He's it was like listen to like hot dog. It's like hot dog. <laughs> no, not if it was that bad, but he sounded uh, like a is bad. drowning rat. <laughs> my heart, my heart. <laughs> wig out. It's always the wig out. <laughs> hey, if you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> Jeez Louise. So anyway, well, I guess we'll see you next time. Good job. Well, wait, I should say thank you to Cherry. Thank you, Sarita. And that's it. I'm not saying thank you. I'm just kidding. Thank you to Andy. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. No, that's reasonable. That's, yeah. Thanks, Ralph, for your cheery disposition all the time. Yeah. Thinking the best about people. And that means he thinks the best about us us most of the time. If you only knew. If I only knew. And Rick. Yeah, thank you for covering. I'm sorry things catching on fire. Ah, Thank you for covering, though. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, you betcha. Yeah, man. Yeah, you betcha. Well, we'll see you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace out. See Love ya. y'all. Bye-bye. Finger guns. Hey, guys. This is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.